Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We've got ourselves a Bills preview. Sunday night football. We're going to do segments later with Danny King. Um, we're going to uh, have a, a, the cover uh, cover one, Anthony, on who covers the Bills. Really helped us a lot on the hiring of Joe Shane and Brian Dable and all the signings that came with that. Excited for revenge game tweets today. It's like, this is my Super Bowl this year. Um so we're going to get into more X's and O's with him. But Justin, I want to talk about the QB situation for Sunday. It's looking like it's going to be Tyrod Taylor. Daniel Jones didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday. It's The Giants are doing game and shit, but I, I, they're probably 100% preparing for Tyrod Taylor at QB1. Yeah, I mean, please tune in to the Anthony from Cover 1 interview. That's somebody who, like Bobby said, we've relied on for a few years now. We've had a good little working relationship with him for a few years, and I'm... I, I hope, like, this is my genuine ass. I'm not going to be on the interview. Bobby usually does the interviews with uh, the other media members from other teams. I, I hope that you get his perspective on maybe why things are the way that they are for the Giants. And maybe did he, like, did he does he even see this coming, like, from the I'm time in Buffalo? i about Bobby Johnson. Yeah, that's, yeah, because there, if there's one thing that we really got a resounding, I don't really like this guy. Um, coming from Buffalo, it was Bobby Johnson, and lo and behold, you know Bobby Johnson is definitely one of one of two coaches on this staff that is on our shit list. So he'll give a good perspective on why they didn't like Bobby Johnson while his time's up. So I'm really look forward to that conversation. Please stay tuned for that conversation because it's going to be more than just about talking about Giants versus Bills this Sunday night. Before we get into this quarterback situation, Justin, this episode is brought to you by some special people. Sean Fleshman, here's the man in the flesh, Fleshman. Peyton Combs, he comes with a comb. Justin McIntyre, which is not, we're not related to Jason McIntyre, who kind of sucks, right? Um, and then Ryan Mysko, Misko, Mysko, what a, what a, Wysko, Mysko. Justin, who are these people? These wonderful people went to Patreon, Pat Rion. Dot com slash talking giants two dollars a month plus there's some other tiers you get to hang out with us live while we record the shows come hang out with us monday morning sunday night at like 1 a.m 2 a.m um when we talk about how the giants are just gonna go into orchard park and upset the buffalo bills and save the freaking season so come hang out with us Live, uh, Bobby Skinner will also send you some stickers in the mail. He's back in Florida, so he's going to do that. And there's some shirt raffles a couple times a month. Thank you to our patrons. Just put 15 envelopes in the mail this morning. Bang. Uh, oh, wait. I have a question for you The Bills first. may have the talent no, 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 advantage. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. We have but to we start have, somewhere first. We have oh, very revenge. Quickly. Oh, we have revenge. But also, 
you got got before you got on a plane. Yeah, which is, again, no excuses. But if there was any time to have, a, there was very many excuses to be had, right? I'm yep. traveling. I'm not looking at my phone. Uh, it's early in the morning. I'm trying to get something out quickly. There's a lot of excuses. But to me, there's no excuses for falling for a Jordan Ronutz yeah. account that Daniel Jones was out and Tyrod Taylor was in. But technically, he's kind of right because that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about is that it's looking yeah. like Daniel Jones was out and Tyrod Taylor. Probably not playing. Ne- never wrong, just uh, just early. If, if just you early. Know, if you know what I mean. Um, it's looking like Tyrod Taylor, who is going to be playing against the team that gave him his big contract in the NFL. Justin, I, I want to talk about what Tyrod Taylor brings to the table, how he's different than Daniel Jones and all that good stuff. Um, Tyrod Taylor was brought in for this, right? He's one of the higher paid, highest paid backup quarterbacks, the most, one of the more accomplished backup quarterbacks. And guess what? It's a revenge game, too. So that can uh, uh, is a little exciting. Like he's been brought in for this very reason, and he can keep an offense going while also creating some on his own. Now, again, he is a backup quarterback, right? So he's not going to – I don't expect him to, you know, do miracles with this offensive line and stuff. But if there's a – he's he's just as capable as any backup quarterback in the NFL, and that's why he was essentially – he was. I mean, he was the second highest paid player in free agency by the Giants' new regime when they came in. Do you believe – I'm kind of – getting on board with this whole thing in the NFL of whether this happens in game or this happens in, in the middle of the week, I'm starting to think having a different quarterback, just kind of thrown in there. You even saw this a little bit with the giants and drew lock playing the Seattle Seahawks, where they were basically stopping. They were stopping Geno Smith from doing anything that he wanted to do. And then drew lock kind of comes in here, brings a little different of a flavor that the giants, that a defense isn't preparing for. And then, like, a lot of positive plays come from it. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a believer and on the train of when there's a sudden QB change like this, I don't want to say it's going to be an advantage for the Giants, but it could throw something different at the Bills that nobody has seen yet because Tyrod Taylor hasn't started a game. Yeah, again, it's just when you're game planning, you're game planning for how the quarterback plays, right? And yeah. the Bills just don't have any film of that in this in this offense you even go back to buffalo it wasn't in a brian dable offense yeah. last memory of tyrod taylor is uh him against the chicago bears last year where he had the three most insane plays ever uh the first play he throws a 45 yard interception which basically did serve as a punt i believe it was like on a third down so that was a sick play and then the second play that he had he avoided a sack it was like an insane run and it was like oh my god tyrod taylor avoiding this sack and then the third play against the bears he got concussed and then he was out and then we ran like a a wildcat offense a- after that. And we've seen him as a backup these last two years for the Giants, whether that's been in training camp practices, preseason games, or in limited time coming in in relief of Daniel Jones. We've seen him be a little more play a little more free than he has when he's been in like the full time, you know, like true starter role, not just in as a backup, right? And I think at Tyron of this age, he's going to play a little a little more loose um, than he has in other years, you know. And we've seen him. To 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 the good side and the bad side, be very very willing to use his legs. Right, the pro of that is he can escape sacks, and he also makes plays. He's not just escaping sacks; he makes plays. Like if there's one thing I think he's probably better than DJ at is that when he does make plays, he's eager to throw or use his legs. He's eager to throw that ball 20, 30, 40, 50 yards down the field 
with his legs, right? Like he's not afraid to let it rip. Now that can lead to bad plays too. We've seen with him. The cons of that are Justin that he does get flustered by that pressure a lot quicker and passes up throws, and it creates negative plays, creates sacks, it creates a bunch of throwaways. So there's good and bad. Now I I would rather have the guy who can create a couple negative plays while also creating plays versus the immobile Mike Glenn and Jake Fromm backups who just become a statue in the pocket. Right, right. Yeah, but that is, I would say the biggest thing for the Giants this Sunday in, you know, we're, we're allowing a historic rate of sacks. We're allowing a historic rate of pressures, you know, franchise, uh, franchise record so far for sack rate. Um, the Bills are also leading the NFL in sacks. I mean, I think that's just the biggest. That would that would be the storyline if it was Daniel Jones, a quarterback, or Tyrod Taylor. But I do think, like, Tyrod Taylor somehow in his career does have a higher – this may be wrong. But at least in my head, I feel like Tyrod Taylor is worse within the, within the pocket in terms of taking sacks than Daniel Jones is. Well, you would agree with that, right? Um. DJ's been one of the most sack quarterbacks in like his. No, career. I'm talking about purely from a skill standpoint, from a skill like pocket awareness standpoint. I think DJ is more aware within the pocket than Tyrod Taylor is. Like you could see the jaw dropping plays of Tyrod Taylor avoiding sacks, but I also think that com- that comes with he's putting himself in situations where he is almost getting sacked, and then he'll, he'll like break out of it. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. The con of it is that like, hey, there's right. times where it's like, hey, you can just hang in there another second and throw the ball. Um and instead, you know, again, you're you're escaping. Guys aren't open. You're taking a sack, or you're, or you're throwing it away. I'm actually looking up their career sack percentage. Um, actually, yeah, Tyro Taylor does have a higher career sack ah, percentage than DJ. Good for um, me. Good for my brain. Which is hard to do because Daniel Jones has been one like basically every <laughs> year besides 2021, he's been one of the most sack quarterbacks in the NFL. Yep. Um, good for my brain. Not good for Tyro Taylor. Yeah, so again, there's the pros and cons of that, right? And But you saw, like, I remember even doing the film breakdown when the Giants signed him. There was some wow plays that he makes escaping and throwing the ball 50, 60 yards down the field that he's willing, that he's willing to do. Um, he also throws a pretty damn good deep ball when his feet are set, right? And he's very willing to throw with anticipation. Like, I remember, you know, a lot of the Jalen highlights from camp were to uh, Tyrotteo. The preseason touchdown was Tyrotteo, and there was a lot of anticipation on that throw while getting hit. And also, I think one thing he does pretty well is he uses, like, he likes to use his eyes and shoulders to, like, get get linebackers and safeties out of the way to where a place where he's like, I know I want to throw to this, but I'm going to I'm gonna use my shoulders to get you out. And, and you talk about where, hey, having an advantage where it's like, hey, they don't know what to plan for. When you get three, four, five games of film of that on Tyrod Taylor, it's a lot easier to game plan. When you haven't seen it since, you know, the Houston Texans days behind a, a really bad offensive line that year, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to be be able to, you know, game plan too much for that. In fact, the big the Tyrod Taylor throw that Taylor made last week was really good, right? Like, he moved these guys with their shoulders, got them biting on that little quick concept, and then he hits uh, Waller on the, on the crosser. So, yeah. um, I, there's it's kind of like two alike where it's like, hey, I know I'm going here, but I'm going to look like I'm going here to create this. Um, here's where I think the biggest drop off though is Justin is overall accuracy, and not to say that Tyrod Taylor is some wildly inaccurate quarterback, but he does have erratic misses at all three levels of the field at it times. Was, we did see that in the preseason a little bit. Yeah, and I mean we've seen it in his career too. I, I remember again going back to the film breakdown that Dolphins game where 
they blitzed the piss out of him, right? And this isn't that isn't what the Bills are going to do. No. But there was a lot of plays to be made because they were vulnerable on the back end, and Tyrod was just completely missing. And on the quick game, whether it's like a speed out, he'll throw it, you know, behind or ahead, uh, a curl route missing on those. That's that's where I think the biggest drop off um, is that he has the erratic misses. Not the, like DJ's had some slight misses this year on some quick game stuff, and obviously some bigger ones you remember. But I think. Uh, that's where the biggest drop off is. So basically, this is where my, my conclusion is. Conclusion. If the O line can block like they did the first three quarters of Seattle, I think he can get this offense to 16 to 20 points. If not, it's going to be a mess and we'll see him scrambling all over the field. And my goal is going to be just please, don't get injured, Tyrod, because that's another issue. Like, Tyrod is very injury prone and he puts himself in harm's way. He got the wind knocked out of him last week. He got that concussion versus Chicago. So it's not just like soft tissue stuff that he can't really avoid. It's like it's putting himself in harm's way type injuries that Tyrod yeah. Taylor gets. Do the Giants score a touchdown in the first half for their first touchdown of the first half this season? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. I think they do. I think we're rolling. We joke about revenge, but I think this is going to, you know, remember when Jason, what was Jason Garrett's best offensive game plan versus the Dallas uh, Cowboys? Um, uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm sure Dable's going to have something pulled up his sleeve. I, they're probably going to use some trick plays at Sunday Night Football, even though I kind of hate trick plays. You got to get I, kooky. I do think they get one offensive. T- I mean, I. I We'll, we'll save it for score predictions, but I can see them getting around 16 points in this game. Before we get into it with the cover one, guys, Justin, do you think Saquon plays? No. I mean, I just saw Dan Duggan tweet 50, uh, 20 minutes ago saying, not convinced Saquon makes his return on Sunday, where they're watching these guys practice, and, you know, one week it looks like they're going to play, and, you know, I even got a text message saying that Saquon was really close to playing against Miami. And now the beat reporters are watching him in practice, and Thursday's the ramp-up day. Thursday's like the big install day, and if he's not rocking and rolling, then I, I say no. I say no. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he does either. Um, Jeez, maybe what they a mess. Can, maybe, maybe they make him active and use him sparingly. Yeah. I will say before we get into with cover one guys. I was pretty – I like Eric Gray as the runner. It made me feel good because his preseason, if there was one player whose preseason soured me a little bit, it was him. Right. Now, again, he only had one blocking rep, and that's some part of the issue is the Giants don't trust these backs to block compared to Saquon, and they're so they're doing a lot of five-man protections. Um, so – but I, and he did fumble. So, again, it's, it's it's the whole first game. Like, we'll we'll overlook the flaws if there's some positives. I did like the way he ran. He got the tw- that 21-yarder taken off the yeah. board. He does, does a pretty good job on those zone runs. Yeah. I think Waller's practicing today, and that gave me, like, it didn't necessarily give me a scare because I'm pretty numb to this team right now. It's, it's early October. I'm numb to this team. So it didn't, like, give me a scare, but it was like, man, are we, are we about to get, like, really 2021 kooky? Like November, November, December. Remember how crazy? Like you did a you did a podcast sick on the couch, um, where it was a Mike Lennon. It was Mike Lennon versus Miami. I'm like, are we really about to get that kooky this early in the season without Darren Waller, no Saquon Barkley, no Daniel Jones? Are we really about to do this? And well, I you know he's it looks like he's going to play. He practiced on Thursday, so that's so that's good at least. Hopefully there's no hopefully there's no mystery setback. Justin, we got to keep our cool, and one way that we are cool oh, is yeah. by wearing Shady Rays, and today's episode is sponsored by Shady Rays. Take on the sun 
With gear built to last, baby. It's built different. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with the premium polarized shades at an affordable price. That's big for me. Like, I'm a big... I'm a big sunglass guy, right? My issue is that I'm a little reckless with them. So I, I'm mm. ref, even though I'm a big sunglass guy, I'm not going to buy expensive sunglasses. It's just not something that's ever going to be in my budget. I will spend good money on things that I think are valuable to me, but I'm not going to do it on things that I think are not, I'm, I'm going to have to be a little reckless with. But Shady's Rays, guess what? They're affordable. And if you lose or break your pair on top of that, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Right, so this is like this is the product for me. This is they might as well call call this, shit. You know, like you know, shady, shady Bobby, shady because Bobby. With conf, I mean, you can. That was wear your nickname your sh- in high school, actually. Wear your right? wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. And I got your back too, shady rays, because you guys are truly the best, Ray. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacement. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna apologize to Shady Rays because I went out of order in the talking points because I wanted to talk about the guarantee. And oh no! Two and three. I went. I went. I should have went two then three, and I went three then two. Um. So they're they are the best, exclusively for our freaking listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to shadyrays.com and use code Giants. For 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. And that offer now applies to the custom Jimmy and Jake collab shade. So go get yours. And if you don't know who Jimmy and Jake is, they are our bosses. Well, you'll be glad you did. And here is Anthony of Cover One. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We welcome on Anthony of Cover One. We used to do a. Uh, the like preview like bring someone else who covers it on the team every week mm. we do it for every, we would do it every week but got too many duds and it's like all right i'm only doing people i know and i had to bring you guys on because one you guys you guys have saved our lives with all the bills uh coaches front office and players that the giants have uh, hired and signed the last couple of years um so we had to get you on anthony how you doing my man I'm doing good, man. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I, you know, I had Justin, your counterpart on my uh, solo show earlier in the week and yeah, he, uh, kind of gave us like some similar feedback and appreciation. I kicked it back his way. I remember, yeah, I think the very first interaction I had with you guys, you DM me asking about potential stuff for like, cause it was when you guys were rumored with Frazier and Dable as potential coaches. And I gave you some breakdown pieces and you like literally were just like, hey, man, I'm just going to screenshot this whole DM and post it. Are you cool with that? And I was like, sure. And it got me a ton of play. And that started our relationship. And you've given us like great stuff at times as well. And just I enjoy our working relationship. You know, we got to meet in person down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl this past year. So I respect you and Justin and everything you guys do with Talking Giants and what you do with John Boy. So, you know, right back at you from me and, and from the Cover One team as well. You guys do awesome work and I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, well, I remember because I, 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 you know, I messaged my Bengals guy about Anna Rumor. Just at, really was just quick synopsis, and you're like, "No, I will message you <laughs> later today with very detailed on everything." And I was like, "Fuck yes, let's go." Uh, <laughs> That's me. So, you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and again, like Mobile, Alabama is my favorite place in the world. So uh, we got the we got to see each other down there. Um, before we get into like Giants versus Bills preview, defensive matchup, offensive matchup. You saw the Giants have the success they had last year with Joe Shane and Brian Dable. This year, it hasn't been anywhere near that. From your guys' point of view, what have you guys like? What do you what do you look at the Giants and think from from afar? 
you know what? It's so frustrating because I feel like so, and this is like not going to be revelatory to you guys. Like so much of it is skewed by what's happened with the offensive line. Like I just can't get a true like reading or barometer of what's going on. I quarterbacks are tough. And I say that because like, I don't think I would have paid Daniel Jones 40 million, but then like, what are your other options? But then I was like, okay, you know what? It worked with Dable. I was kind of buying what the giants were selling going in this entire offseason. Like, okay, you want to invest in Daniel Jones. He can get the job done. I believe in Brian Dable, Dable as a schemer and a designer. And then you tried an up upgraded, you know, multiple positions. I liked the trade for Darren Waller at the time. Saquon had a beautiful year coming back last year. I thought you could bank on that again. I love John Michael Schmitz at the senior bowl. And I love that pick. And Andrew Thomas is tremendous. I thought Evan Neal would take a jump. And so offensively, like it's obviously been disappointing, but it's just so heavily skewed by the offensive line. And that's what really pisses me off defensively. I am. I'm pretty from afar. I'm surprised at just how ineffective like the the blitzes have been for the Giants this year. You know, going into last week, uh, Giants, I mean, Wig Martindale, everybody knows it, but, you know, 51% blitz rate, second highest in the league going into last week. But Giants were only 26th in pressure percentage, 31st in sack percentage. And I thought like, okay, like Dexter Lawrence is an all pro stud. You know, maybe you're banking in on in-house guys and Thibodeau taking another jump and seeing what you can get from anybody else up front. But I like Banks coming out of Maryland. I thought that was a fun pick. I like Xavier McKinney. I thought Bobby Okariki would be some, or Okarike, I forgot he changed the pronunciation, would be a fun piece. Like, I didn't think the Giants were as good as they were last year. I don't think they're as bad as they are this year. It's been a hard regression to the mean, but so much of it is just due to the injuries and everything that's happened to the offensive line. And then the negative domino effect it's created for not only the offense, but the defense. And yeah, that's, I just hate, I hate things that are that severe because I feel like it skews the sample size and morphs everything you're seeing. Yeah. It's been kind of like a worst case scenario domino effect that we talked about in the off season. Like one, Evan Neal was the biggest swing on this offense's yeah. production. Right. And he just has come out and he's had some technical improvements, but the results have still been pretty damn bad. And then yeah. Andrew Thomas, like, We've been wow. preaching how important, like how Andrew Thomas's and Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones' success correlates to Andrew Thomas more than any mm-hmm. non-play caller, you know, not any any player on the Giants roster. And we've seen some of those because Daniel Jones is not playing the Miami, the Dolphins game. I thought he put the ball where it needed to be for the majority of the part of that game and and did what he was supposed to. But the games before that are worse than we've seen Jones since maybe the beginning of that 2020 season when it was a mix of his kind of fearlessness that Shermer instilled with him and then the Jason Garrett dial everything back. Mm-hmm. Like, with 2021, if you watched Daniel Jones play in 21, it, it wasn't bad football. Like, it was solid football. It was just bad scheme, bad talent. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had a take last year, despite all the, like, you know, the winning. It was like, I don't think I've seen tons of, you know, improvement in Daniel Jones game outside mm-hmm. of creating a little more out, uh, you know, outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's got a better play, call, like a much better play caller compared to Jason Garrett and, and better offensive structure. And then yeah. obviously Saquon being healthy helped a lot, but it's just like, you know, you mentioned Saquon being injured, Um, you know, defensive guys, not stepping up. Kayvon Thibodeau's honestly, reg- even though he's had the four sacks the last three games, his overall play has kind of regressed that from where it was last year. I, I, I was watching like the tape excited to see because I've seen I mean, the Giants have had a bunch of have had a bunch of national games. So I've seen them from a broadcast perspective. But like in going into the tape, like I was like, OK, I want to see what like what Tibbs is doing this year. And I was disappointed and I didn't expect to be that. 
And I guess just from like looking at the metrics, but seeing some of the flashes from like broadcast games and yeah, like, so hearing you like confirm that and say that, yeah, that, which is super disappointing, especially too, when you've got, man, could you imagine if he just hits some of that ceiling and you pair him with what Dexter Lawrence is on the inside? Like what a front, what a twosome you have up top, up, up front. Like, what do you do if you're an offense? And then everything stacks from there. If he could just hit or scratch some of it, man, it would be a really fun pair with Dex, but he just hasn't. Yeah, and it's not like Evan Neal where it's like, okay, we are just we're just hoping that he doesn't mm. isn't as bad as his rookie season. Where Kayvon put together a baseline of a decent pl- pass rusher his rookie year, yeah, and this year just has not realized that for whatever reason. Um, there has been flashes. He started working that, you know, working the inside shoulder tackles for for those those sacks he's gotten, but that's also been against backup tackle play. The question yeah. is, when he's even facing average starters, what can he do? Um, and he's been inconsistent in the run game. So it's yep. been just it's just been a bunch of issues. And I th- I mean, it's but it does start with the offensive line without Andrew Thomas. It was already a bad offensive line, but DJ was able to manage knowing, hey, at least I got my blind side protected mm. with Andrew Thomas out. It's just been it's just been a mess. And then when it has held up halfway decent, DJ hasn't really stepped up to the plate. But it's been a, one of the worst. I've seen some bad line performances. This has been the worst. Which my my next question before we get into the matchup? Sure, oh, yeah. Are you surprised that Giants fans hate 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 Bobby Johnson? No, not at all. I I wasn't a big fan of OG Bobby Johnson. Um, I mm, I was I don't want to say I was surprised to see him get nabbed up by Dable and Shane, but the offensive line, like granted, the injuries are a significant piece for what's going on right now, but. Bobby Johnson came under fire a lot from Bills fans and just from an analysis piece. Yeah. Like you just didn't see the development and the cohesion and the chemistry really ever develop along the offensive line for the Bills. Now, granted, there were some individual like player and some talent pieces that you can kind of function into that, but I was not disappointed to see Bobby Johnson go. I was very happy with, okay, Bobby Johnson left. Oh, Aaron Cromer came in. I will take that 10 out of 10 every single time. But yeah, I, I'm not surprised to see some disappointment with Bobby Johnson. He came under fire a lot here. And again, it's tough to really fully judge this year because the worst case scenario, a perfect storm of injuries. But a lot of the complaints and things you're seeing are kind of reflected of his time in Buffalo. Even the piece again and player development and progression is not an exact science. There's a multitude of variables that go into it from the player to the coaching staff, to the organization, the culture, like the facilities, anything and everything. But like hearing that Evan Neal isn't reaching his potential and developing and then knowing who his O-line coach is, it that also does not surprise me. Not saying it's all on Bobby Johnson, but you know, that does that does not surprise me. Which again, a lot of this came from you guys when I'm when we <laughs> talked when we did our March episodes in 2021. We're like, okay, mailbag, what's been the most the thing you haven't liked that the new regime has done? And one of them was like, hey. I don't really. I'm not inspired by this Bobby Johnson hiring. There's not this track record of of being a good position coach. And position coaches are one of the harder things to judge mm. because it's, you really, you truly don't know unless you know. Yes. Um. And but it's just. But I, the the flip side of that is like, well, there's position coaches that we do like because they give us evidence of reasons why we like them. Like we love our DB coach. We love Dre Patterson, our our D line coach. Mm. Now I think some of that can to be how they talk to the media. I think. I think us from the outside, we love coaches who actually talk about ball. 
So we yeah. just like, hey, you're a good look at the smart things that you're saying. <laughs> in reality, it's like, yeah, every position coach in the NFL knows that. There's just yeah. some that like telling talking to the media about it and some that don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's but who was the guy that you guys was it Wyatt Teller who you guys like, you know, had under him and <sighs> trade was Bobby Johnson the O line coach when that whole situation Ooh. went down? Let me Doug, let me confirm. I the the whole the whole Wyatt Teller thing is such a pain point for me with with the bills and not just because of like, Oh, like look what he became and developed. Like I don't hold anybody accountable for in the bills organization for what happened with Wyatt Teller. Like, yes, would it have been amazing if they kept him and he did what he did with the bill? Sure. Absolutely. But Wyatt Teller went to the Cleveland Browns and got to study under Bill Callahan, one of the best offensive line coaches in football and one of like the best really in the game and like throughout like history and did Teller show flashes with the Bills? Sure. But when they when he got traded, nobody was sitting there going, man, the Bills really screwed up and they just lost an all-pro like lineman. Like him going to Cleveland, I think a lot of his success was tied to um, working with Callahan and what Callahan got out of him. In addition to the scheme they run there and the rest of the talent that they surrounded him with up front. Um, so I don't, I, I don't want, I every time we get that so much like, Bills fans are always, they always do two things when they really want to get upset. Like, could have just stayed there and drafted Patrick Mahomes. And then the other one is got rid of Wyatt Teller. What a stupid move. And that drives me absolutely nuts. Um, but Teller was before Bobby Johnson. Johnson was 2019 through 2021. Teller was only a bill for 2018. That's what I thought, but I wanted to confirm. So he was right before Bobby Johnson. That's, that's good to know. Cause I've actually seen people reference that. And I, 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 cause I've seen you, I actually listened to you guys talk about that. Uh, we did last year's draft. We did an analysis of all the the Joe, not the Joe Shane draft classes, but the draft classes with Joe Shane as assistant GM in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I listened. You guys did a, re- a review of that draft class. I remember you guys talking about that. But let's let's get into this matchup. Uh, one of the biggest differences for this season for the Bills has been the Leslie Frazier gone, Sean McDermott taking kind of control back of the defense. What do you think has been the or not? What do you think? What has been the biggest difference uh, in that change? Or biggest Ooh. difference from uh, from that change. I know what you meant. I, I it's got to be. I think the attack minded nature of the players and how they're playing, in conjunction with McDermott's philosophy defensively, like how the Bills have operated this year. Myself, Eric, uh, you know, Eric Turner we broke it down so much on the film room. I broke it down on Disguise Coverage a bunch. We watched uh, Eagles tape with Sean McDermott when he was under Jim Johnson. And then when he took over a little bit, we were watching Panthers tape when he was fully DC there. And everything stems from that Jim Johnson tree. And for those who don't know, Jim Johnson, longtime defensive coordinator, of the Philadelphia Eagles, his whole philosophy to kind of boil it down is just attack and pressure the quarterback, pressure the offense, dictate to the offensive line, make them have to beat you. And it was a different thing under Leslie Frazier, Leslie Frazier and the bills defense while being very successful was very much, Hey, we're going to force you to be efficient and beat us that way. We are going to make you go nine, 10, 11, 12 plays, be efficient. And we're going to bet that at some point you're going to make a mistake and then we'll capitalize on it. This bill's defense under McDermott is like what his defenses were in Carolina and in Philly and what Jim Johnson was you don't know who's coming from where on third downs. They're going to bring some simulated pressures. They're going to bring some creepers. He's been very good dialing up five and six man pressures and creating two on ones and free runners off the edges. And that piece coupled with the coverages, he's been very 
not want to say very creative, but in a fun way, creative on the back end, more so than we saw with Frazier. There was a couple coverages, like, again, they kind of didn't work great against the Jags, but, you know, they're running cover two to one side and Kyrie Elam and Dane Jackson are the two corners, but Kyrie Elam is the deep half safety on the one side and Dane Jackson is the cloud corner underneath them. You've got reps where they're showing single high man coverage across the board. And on the snap, Taron Johnson, their slot corner is dropping as a deep half player. And just some of the fun buttons that Sean McDermott has pressed and the levers that he has pulled and the creativity within it when he has pushed those buttons and pulled those levers. But all of it comes through with that attack-minded nature. This Bills defense plays fast. They play aggressive even more so than they did with Frazier which kind of mimics Sean McDermott's personality for, you know, his rah-rah of a guy he is. He's very aggressive and foot, you know, on the gas at all times, 100 miles an hour, 100% of the time. And the Bills will miss some tackles from time to time, and it reflects in that, but they create a lot of havoc. Um, they create a lot of, you know, negative plays from a run perspective with, you know, from zero or uh, zero yards or less in the run game to create second and long, third and longs. We know what their pressure has done. Um, he's really just done a good job playing chess and getting this team to embrace more of an attack-minded, free-playing mentality which is really a, a unique pairing of like you said all kind of those disguised creative you know coverages on the back end which from a content point of view i think are the most fun things to break yes. down as, as as are those disguised coverages and different looks but while also like you have having that attacking mindset up front which a lot of times those disguised coverages mix with like the leslie fraser style and we're just kind of through we're changing tendencies on that type of stuff so i think that's where you've seen a lot of the success Absolutely. Um, and he's and he's done a good job, too, of meshing and marrying the fronts with the coverages, making sure like the what's happening up front is benefiting the coverage and having the coverage team understand what's happening up front and using that to their advantage with routes that they're jumping or how they're playing or how they're shading receivers and what coverages they're playing. We didn't see that against Jacksonville. And it's part of the reason why when they blitz Trevor Lawrence, they blitz Trevor Lawrence 30 four percent of the time their blitz rate out of the year going into that game against Jacksonville was 16 percent so they more than doubled it but the blitz didn't get home Trevor Lawrence had time and he was able to pick apart things on the back end or get the ball uh dub it down underneath and create space or get it get it to guys who can create space and it was the opposite that we saw the previous week against Miami where everything once Miami scored their second touchdown everything kind of changed. Everything started to align and the puzzle pieces started to fit. And you saw a really good meshing and merging of coverage structure with front structure. And also too, like you talk about disguising coverages. I love that piece. He'll disguise the fronts too. Like he's done a ton of, you don't know who's coming from where I'm showing seven. You have no idea if I'm bringing seven, six, five, if I'm bringing four, who the four are, who's dropping, what coverage are playing on the back end. And then between doing that and spinning and rocking and rolling safeties and doing what he does with Taron Johnson, it's just been a really well-designed, purposeful chess match week in and week out from Sean McDermott. Now you talked about facing Jacksonville and Miami. Now you're facing the 31st ranked offense in the NFL. Uh, Daniel Jones, most likely not playing. So you get to face your old friend, Tyrod Taylor, mm. who again, I probably one of the, one of the top five most accomplished and better backup QBs in the NFL. But sure. again, still, still a backup with the offensive line issues. Don't think Saquon's going to play. They've been, they've smartly, tried to hand the ball off to just kind of take some stress off of this offensive line, these pass protection issues. Yeah. Um, but they're not necessarily running the ball very well. How do you expect them to like structure versus this Giants team? 
I think it starts with, you know, if Daniel Jones plays, which probably doesn't. So you're looking at Tyrod, like you said, who shout out to Tyrod for helping break the drought bills legend. Um, you still kind of know what you're getting from a, an identity and play style perspective. Like he's not going to push that ball downfield too much. He is going to play to the sticks and under, and you pair that with a porous offensive line due to the injuries and how the Buffalo bills front has got after it. Now, again, what we are going to see Matt Milano, and basically done for the year without officially, officially saying it, Daquan Jones, who's been playing at an all pro level at defensive tackle this year against the pass and the run, just tremendous. He is him and Taron Johnson are the two unsung heroes of this defense with how important they are. Daquan Jones hurt his pack. He's probably also done for the year. So there's going to be some changes in terms of the individual talent and effectiveness they have up front, but I think they're not going to be threatened vertically by this Giants offense. And then you pair that with how they attack, how they gap penetrate. I expect to see the Bills get the Giants in a lot of second and long, third and longs. And then Sean McDermott kind of getting into that bag of here comes the pressure packages on third downs. We'll see if you can beat it. We'll see if you can diagnose it. Do you have the talent on the outside to beat our corners, which you potentially can. Christian Benford, um, he practiced today. Wasn't wearing a non-contact jersey. Looks to be back in the starting lineup this past week, so it could be him and Dane Jackson. But Kyrie Elam has factored in there. Dane's had some bang-up issues um, at times, so we'll see what happens on the back end for the Bills. Um, and then also, again, you know, working in a new linebacker from a coverage standpoint. But I, I feel that they're going to be confident they can get pressure, whether with four, but especially with a lot of their designers that they get into on third down. And you pair that with their aggressive style, keeping things in front of them. I think they're just going to put a cap on this offense in the Giants and really just attack and come forward and come forward and come forward, which is why for the Giants, I'm trying to lean into, you know, heavy personnel and play action right off the bat. And I'm at least trying to test that cage a little bit and make them respect that vertical piece, especially if you can complete it, who, you know, and Tyrod, for as much as he's been like, you know, check down Tyrod throughout his career, when he uncorks it, he throws a pretty deep ball. Like he can make some plays. And I I think he's in a situation. This is, we're honestly the first situation in a long time for Tyrod where he is he's he went into this as only the backup, right? Mm-hmm. You go back to the Chargers was a he knew Herbert was going to take over, but he was the starter. The Texans he was the starter over Mills, the Browns, and then the Bills. He's honestly, and this may be due to only seeing him at you know I've seen every training camp practice of him so far preseason, and then a little bit in relief. He's been a lot more like kind of aggressive right where he's like he's trying to move guys with his shoulders to get to that ball downfield he's you know moving thrown on the run again i think part of that is tyrod can he knows he can get away with that in the red jersey and training camp a little bit um but i'm interested to see how like this is the this will be his first time just starting in Mm -hmm. you know in giants blue since we've seen him where i think i mean it'll be interesting to see how they do it and how they game plan around him and not just coming in or running the twos um it's very interesting and how does yeah how does he function in like i want to look it up because i i thought i had my notes but i didn't um you know 39 quarterbacks with at least 15 attempts on the year daniel jones is 34th out of those 39 qbs and yards per attempt at 5.9 funny tyrod in his 15 attempts uh he is 30th at 6.1 so 0.2 more um it's just and again a lot of it is tied to you can't push the ball downfield if you can't protect and you know you got to try and try that quick game which defense is known it plays in a little bit so i'm interested to see like just how hamstrung they are and then how much the bills use that to just okay we know where they're weak let's attack yeah and tyrod definitely he escapes quicker than dj he's very quick to escape um 
And that's where I, I think one big difference, those the two biggest difference, not the two big, but big differences in style between him and Jones is, is Tyro Taylor's quicker to escape, even though Jones under Dable has gotten a lot quicker with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even this this season without Thomas has escaped some clean pockets um, when there's yeah. been some issues. Um, and he likes to, like you said, uncork it and throw it 40, 50 yards down on the run, even if it's not like, you know, wide ass open. Um, but he also creates like a lot of sacks when he does that too. And a lot of negative plays, like we were talking about in the beginning of the show. It's like for DJ, who's been one of the most sack quarterbacks in the NFL in his entire career, Tyra Taylor has a higher sack rate than him. Um, and a lot of those, so wild. a lot of those are created on his own. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see him as a starter. We, we, again, we, talk, we, that's the only thing we talked about in the beginning is the biggest difference in Tyra Taylor, Daniel Jones is mm. like you mentioned, Taylor's kind of been below the sticks, but he's coming in as a true backup now. Um, just as just as a football fan, you have really enjoyed Matt Milano. I think he's like one of those like ball knowers love Matt Milano, but mm. the rest of the you know casual watchers don't. Bernard has been really good next to him. How much do you think changes with Milano gone? Man, it's going to change a lot. He all pro season last year was playing like an all pro again this year. He has. For for years with you know when it was him and his running mate Tremaine Edmonds next to him, Milano was always in that that disruptor role. He was the one shooting gaps and just jumping things and just being that chaos creator. And then you had Edmonds to be more the safe guy and you know lean into his size and frame and clean some things up. With the addition of Terrell Bernard and having him be the starter alongside Milano, McDermott changed the role of that middle linebacker that Terrell Bernard is. He's not playing the same he's not having the same responsibilities and play style that Tremaine Edmonds had because he can't Edmonds is a friggin' pterodactyl who's extremely athletic. Like just his presence and size alone in the middle of the field is enough of a deterrent to squeeze windows and passing lanes and force quarterbacks to go elsewhere. So that's also part of the reason why I think you've seen more blitzes and things from the second level. Cause Bernard's a tremendous blitzer and he doesn't necessarily have that size and that ability, but he is a very good in coverage. He's very heady comes from that Dave Aranda Baylor scheme, which, you know, prepared him so well for a match coverage life with Sean McDermott and in the NFL, but you're most likely, Likely going to see Bernard and probably Dorian Williams, Bill's rookie from Tulane. Maybe it's going to be Tyrell Dodson. Williams went in for Milano, got pulled in the game against the Jags because he missed several tackles in the open field. They put Dodson in for, for Giants fans. Tyrell Dodson is, he's a special teams linebacker and just a depth guy. Um, Don't say anything about him on Twitter. He searches his own name a lot and he will come at you in very angry ways. So don't type anything about him. Uh, I think you're, I think we're going to do that now. You, I, you know what? It will get, it will get reaction. If you type his name, he is a hundred percent that guy to quote tweet you and get upset. If you say anything in the slightest of ways. So if you do it, I'm absolutely here for it. Make sure um, I'll put notifications on so I can see it. But Dodson is just, he's that depth linebacker. He's not built to start. He was in the, actually he was in competition with Bernard in the preseason. It was him and Bernard neck and neck. Bernard hurt his hamstring before the preseason. Didn't play in any of the preseason games. And granted, maybe it would have happened this way anyway, but Bernard won the job because he didn't play and Dodson played so poorly. He took himself out of the running and allowed Bernard to like win that spot just by sitting out because Dodson played so poorly. But nonetheless, Dorian Williams got pulled in this past game, but he's the athletic burst year linebacker. He's got long arms. The biggest thing with him 
coming out of Tulane, they play a real basic coverage structure at Tulane. It's just, it's like Madden coverage spot drop type of stuff. Like, okay, you're the linebacker, you know, you're going seven to eight year hook curls. Okay. That's your responsibility. And that's what he would do. He's had a lot to work on from a coverage perspective in terms of, especially with a match coverage pieces and the zone, the zones that the bills play where, um, you know, a, a lot of, you know, you're trying to read two to one, or you're trying to read number three and you have to carry three vertically or start to carry three vertically and then pass them off. Cause you got to pick up number two. He's had to work on that a lot. This off season, he was getting in a lot of early work with bills linebackers coach, Bobby Babich during training camp to try and get acclimated there. I anticipate seeing Dorian Williams start. If he is starting, he'll get a short leash. Dodson could potentially start as well. So it's a lot to be on Bernard's shoulders now because he is the best linebacker that they have now with Milano going down. And Dodson is a liability in coverage and not athletic. Dorian Williams has all the tools and traits that you like, but he's just not experienced enough or really sophisticated enough in the NFL lifestyle yet. But he's really fun and electric and bursty and runs through dudes when he tackles them. So we'll see, but there is a vulnerability there at that spot in one way or another, whether it's the processing and the mental side of Dorian Williams or the lack of physical juice and athleticism in Tyrell Dotson. We're going to clip this part of this video and be like advice from Bill's analyst, uh, pro, uh, you know, cover one, Anthony, attack like pussy Tyrell Dotson. <laughs> Dude. Anthony from cover one says Tyrell Dotson is a huge bitch and he should be attacked. This is the reason the Giants, the Bills, will lose on Sunday. It will be upset on Sunday. Uh, oh, Anthony from Cumber One. Fuck Tyrell Dotson. Uh, um, so I, I'm interested to see what you think. I, I sent you over some game notes uh, of the Giants, and a lot of that I think helps with like their coverage usage, how they you know align pre-snap. The Giants went only too high in light boxes versus Tua, but most teams they are you know living in single high. And basically, they run quarters or man coverage. Mm. I remember that playoff game versus the Ravens where it was very much single high, cover one, not blitzing. If it was blitzing, it was from the five-man front. What What are you expecting as teams have kind of changed the way they played Allen? But Wink did have success against in, the, in that game kind of playing playing his style, but just a little less blitzy. Yeah, that, that's a big one. Um, like I mentioned some of the numbers earlier, I think it starts with the blitz piece and what is Wink going to do? So traditionally, Josh Allen has been good against the blitz. And even on this year, he's been good against it. Um, against the Jags, he was not so. And just like so, a, a couple numbers, you know, 50% completion percentage versus the blitz against the Jags, 73.1 on the year versus the blitz, 3.7 yards per attempt against the Blitz versus Jacksonville versus 8.1 yards per attempt on the year, 150 or 115.9 rating on the year versus the Blitz versus 59.3 against the Jags. And the Jags came after him 46.5% of the time versus only being blitzed 30% on the year. The Jags really flipped the script. They got the Bills into third and longs. And then Mike Caldwell, Todd Bowles' disciple, really uncorked a lot of designers and package stuff. And I'm, that, that's where the matchup piece starts on that side because Wink, heavy, aggressive, blitz-minded, attack, 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 but they haven't been too successful with that this year. And the Bills have eaten the blitz. This past week, they didn't. So I'm very interested to see how that piece starts there and what they do. And then from a coverage standpoint, you know, teams are – having to play the bills differently this year because of the presence of the bills run game. 
going into this past week, second in e- total EPA, second in EPA per rush. Now, after having a bit of a, you know, some struggles on the ground um, against Jacksonville, they're still fourth in EPA on the ground and fourth in EPA per rush. And it's not because, you know, they're doing a ton of QB bash with Josh Allen and a ton of QB pull or read option stuff. Like it is the the traditional run game with James Cook and Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. They're running duo, they're running dart and tackle wrap. They'll run GH counter. Um, they do a lot of good things on the ground with, from a traditional standpoint and traditional aspect. And that's helped them kind of manipulate coverages and especially impairing that with their under center game. Josh Allen is one of the best, you know, statistically and on tape um, under center passers, but especially under center play action pass. So they've been able to influence defenses this year into more single high looks and walking that safety down, having to honor the run, especially because, you know, they are successful on the ground, but because they're able to pair it with, 12 personnel with Knox and Kincaid or 21 personnel and getting Reggie Gilliam out there, who's still an athletic fullback that they can still kind of pass out of, even when they show heavier, more pro personnel type of looks and formations. So a lot of the coverage pieces they've been able to manipulate this year because they have a legitimately strong and a legitimately good run game. So teams aren't able to just sit and be like, well, we're just going to play too high the whole game because we know you're not going to run the ball or we know you can't run the ball and we're going to make Josh Allen have to stay efficient. The other coverage piece, what we've seen as well, teams, again, the Jags flipped the script. They came after Allen. They attacked. They dictated protection. It was it was a if – if anybody can watch that game, watch the tape, however you can, watch the third downs. The Jags' game plan was beautiful against the Bills in terms of design and execution. But a lot of what we've seen this year is defenses just – given Allen the underneath and saying, be efficient, try and beat us without explosives. You know, whether it's single high or too high, we're keeping everything in front of us. Stay efficient. Are you going to take the check down to the running back? Are you going to throw that little flat route to the tight end? Or are you going to push the ball downfield like you did against the Jets in week one and make stupid decisions because sometimes you want it all when you really don't need to do that. Um, so it's been an interesting marriage of things as the season has gone on. And again, the Jags flipped the script a little bit and I'm interested to see what Wink leans into given his philosophy and how this defense is built. Yeah, I think the Bills obviously they Josh Allen's been great this year, but that week one game, I feel like it, there that was there was any time for that game to happen. It was week one to be like, yes. hey man, you like, I, I don't know who said it, but someone described that as an immature loss, and I thought that was like perfectly well said. Hmm. And I was also listening to um, Maze and Tice maybe a couple weeks ago talking about how like. You, the Bills had always gotten under center, basically just the run play action. Where this year they're actually handing the ball off, and like you said, changing the way teams teams have to play. This and is you, just, and then real quick, you pair that with like when they do that, then they they're in twelve or twenty one, and they've increased the surface of you know what they have up front. So it's not just all oh, like in shotgun five man line. Like they have like a six seven man line, and you know you can get to more of the run game that way. You can run like weak side zone or you can pull God knows who from wherever you want to. So their run game has gotten more diverse in addition to being effective. And a lot of it's tied to that under center traditional aspect. Sorry, I got excited. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Um, This is just me being curious. I know Kincaid is in concussion protocol, but I remember listening to you guys talk about last year, like the Beasley being a missing piece and kind of you guys using digs in the slot to try and keep stuff on schedule. And has Kincaid been the Cole Beasley replacement despite them being the exact opposite body types? Yeah, it's funny. Dalton Kincaid's nickname is like the whole like swole Beasley thing because he's supposed to play the same role, but he's just obviously so much bigger. Um, We've seen more traditional usage from Dalton Kincaid. It hasn't been as much of, 
you know, the Cole Beasley slot world, slot role. He hasn't been targeted a ton. He hasn't been this huge focal point, um, but it's been more of leaning into his ability to be on the field and create mismatches, whether for himself or really just from a schematic standpoint with the rest of the grouping that he's on the field with. And a lot of it, again, stems from he's been okay as a blocker, um, which I think is more than functional given his proficiency as a route runner and as a pass catcher. So it's really been just their ability to line up with him on the field and the bind that it puts defenses in Um, his biggest, you know, successes that he's had this year are, you know, if teams stay in nickel, Allen finds him the ball underneath and he's punished nickel corners and outside corners. He will, I, I, he was good with, from a run after catch standpoint at Utah, but this year it's been more kind of Dawson Knox, like where, you know, Dawson Knox's nickname when he gets the ball in his hands is the jugger Knox. Cause he just like runs through dudes and trucks them. He's an angry runs type of guy. Kincaid is kind of molding into that a little bit. You know, he's dropping the shoulder and he's running through defensive backs. You know, it's first and 10 and he gets the ball. And instead of getting tackled at seven, he runs through dude and he gets the first down by getting some yards after contact. So Allen will find him underneath um, and allow him to kind of eat against DBs once he gets the ball in his hands. But you're not seeing a ton schemed up for him and he is getting open, but Everything from a pass standpoint, it's so hard to judge everyone. Everything everything funnels through Diggs. Allen is looking towards Diggs first and foremost. That's where he's going to go. There's tons of clips and tape of, you know, hey, Dalton Kincaid just came open. Hey, Dawson Knox just came open. Hey, Gabe Davis came open. But Allen already decided to give the ball to Diggs for better, for worse, short, medium, long. Um, so everything still stems through there. But Kincaid's having a good year. Don't listen to all the Bills fans that are upset because Sam Laporta has better metrics. Dalton Kincaid has been good, and the schematic advantages have been significant, just more so in the run game than the pass game thus far. Right. Uh, last thing I'm going to ask, I've been looking forward to this game for a long time because every Friday we do revenge game tweets. Mm. Um, which again, I don't care if you're the backup long snapper, you get yourself a revenge game tweet if you're playing your former team. We do it for coaches. We do it for front office members. I got 17 lined up for Friday when people are listening to this. I've been, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Which I'll, I'll, let me cut out Brian Dable and, and Tyrod Taylor. Which former Bill are you excited, like going to be the happiest to see and be like, and if he has a good, like a solid game, but doesn't win the game, I'm like, I'm good for him, happy for him. Oh, uh, Isaiah Hodgins. I thought I it'd like, be Isaiah Hodgins. Everybody loves Hodgins. Bro, I, so, and G- Gabe Davis has been very good, uh, despite Bill's fans telling you he's not a true wide receiver, too, even though he's had some fantastic metrics this year from an EPA standpoint. Again, conversation for another time. But I was more excited for Hodgins. He and Gabe Davis came out in the same draft class. Gabe Davis was a fourth rounder. Hodgins was a fifth rounder. I was more excited for Hodgins. I, um, you know, football Sundays are football Sundays, but Saturdays, I was, I'm usually doing a lot of things with my wife at the time, uh, my fiance. So we'd be out and about Saturdays, but we'd be home Saturday nights. She falls asleep. So the Pac-12 was like my main college football consumption from a live standpoint. So I saw a ton of Isaiah Hodgins, liked him on broadcast, and then watched the tape tape. And just a really precise route runner. You know, you talked about in college how he would study Stefan Diggs's tape the night before games. And you saw that precision in his game. And when he got opportunities, again, they were few and far between, but he flashed a lot. Um, and myself and Eric Turner, we had him on the show last year before he got cut from the Bills. We had him in the film room breaking down tape and just really smart, good head on his shoulders. You can tell, like, especially in that Bills offense where so much of it is post snap reading and adjusting. You have to be, you have to understand the game from an X's and O's and, you know, high football IQ standpoint to succeed there. Um, what did him in with the Bills was just, 
they had like a deep wide receiver group, not necessarily high end talent, but they had a bunch of roles and, and pieces established already. And there wasn't really room for him. I think he's a good dude as a person. And I think he actually is like a quality player. Like I think he's somebody, I don't think he's ever going to be a true one, but I think he's somebody that can give you like low to mid tier two type of production. He's got the length. He's got the precision. I like him. I would love for him to ball out and get like nine catches for 130 yards um, and the bills to win by 40. Um, but he's someone who I root for. I just, I just think he's got a good, he's got a good skill set with a good frame. Um, and I'm really happy that he got the opportunity to, to, to play last year for a team that needed wide receiver help. And he took advantage. He was a godsend for the Giants last year. Like you said, despite like, Hey, he's not never going to be a one, but he was a godsend because it allowed the Giants to do drop back 11 personnel passing, which they were not able to, I mean, they were running out Marcus Johnson. It was, it was very rough and it allowed, you know, allowed to have someone opposite Darius Slayton who can win on the outside. And yeah, he's been really good. You know, like he doesn't have the speed to separate deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I, w- I wish we could see a little more and this could be a DJ issue, but we saw it in camp and the opportunities. I'd like him to be, be able to win more contested down the field. And just anytime that's kind of happened at, Hasn't been his great thing. I thought that would be what could take him to the next level. But like, like you said, precise route runner. I'm great at the stem. Like he just knows how to re- read leverage and separate the stem. And that makes him really good in what the Giants were doing with their quick game and stuff. So, yeah, and I, I, got I thought it would be him. Hodgins. Yeah, you know me. You called it. And I thought he would like I thought it would be a fun fit of him with Slayton and Waller. And even though Jalen Hyatt is in a polished route runner, like what he could do from a speed and take the top off standpoint. And I thought all these things in the right scheme in the right system. And I thought it was going to be like this year, again, the offensive line and a whole bunch of other things have kind of skewed it a bit, but yeah, I thought he could like his upside would be like a, his highest, highest upside. I thought was like a mid tier two, but I thought he could realistically be like a high end three, like a low tier number two receiver. And yeah, it's just kind of fallen by the wayside with a lot of things that have happened, but I do think he has ability. Um, and he's somebody who I do root for. Cause again, I like his skill set. like his tape. He just flashes in a bunch of ways and you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And it's been like you mentioned the top, the offensive line issues have limited to them and the way teams have been playing the Giants have been giving the the illusion of some quick game being allowed in their pre-stamp alignment and just driving off of it. Yes, because and they know like they're not going to push the ball deep because Jones isn't necessarily that guy, but they don't have the time to do it. Like mm-hmm. you and you, I feel like sometimes people don't connect the dots. And I say sometimes, I mean a lot of times because people did with the Bills last year. Well, how come they're not pushing the ball downfield or what's going on? It's like the Bills can't protect. They can't hold up to get the ball downfield. If you want to push the ball downfield, guess what? You're usually taking a deeper drop or you're holding on to the ball longer. You need to let those clearing routes develop or give your receiver time to get downfield. You can't do it if you can't protect. And you nailed it. Like what you're seeing on tape, like defenses are just like, no, like we're off like that. That quick at you want to run that slant? Like it's cool. You want you want to run like slant flats? It's there. And then on the snap, psych, everybody's just driving on it because they know their line can't hold up and they can't push the ball downfield. And they're almost like boxed into this self-fulfilling prophecy or like manifest destiny or some crap of like how they operate. And it's oh, it's just so I don't even like the Giants like that, but I just like good football. It's just so frustrating, like that they're what's happened. Yeah, I, I did a quick hitter video this week. Uh, the Seahawks and the Dolphins did it where they just, they would sh- like, uh, you know, you know how much, you know, Dable loves like those, you know, free release RPOs on the on those little out routes. And they've done one with the slot and one with just Slayton on the outside where the one versus Seahawks, Tariq Woolen was supposed to be, you know, carry the vertical and he just squats on it and, and, and drops the interception. And then the Dolphins 
uh, drove on it with Slayton and DJ, uh, you know, just held it and and ended up throwing the ball out of bounds. Um, I'm, this is my call it for this week is that the giants are going to kind of show that and they're going to double move off of it and try and get some type of big play. So I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen because I, the thing that I've loved the most out of this coaching staff is that they see their weaknesses and see how teams are playing it and adjust so well, or adjust off of their tendings tendencies. And we've already saw like they tried some double moves versus the Dol- Dolphins did a fairly decent job, except for that uh mm-hmm. that wall or little stick and go that he mm-hmm. had that he didn't was able to pull down. But you saw them like make a lot of adjustments to the way defense are playing them. So I'm I'm waiting for that this week on. They're gonna show like a little quick, you know, RPO free release and then you know, double double off of it if they drive on it. But anyways, I'd love, Anth- that. I'd love it. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Anthony, uh, where can people follow you? I'm gonna tweet it out tomorrow so people can and get their fix before the game. I'm I'm very sad that we're not as invested as this as Giants fans because this would be this would be a, a perfect time to like drive people over to your guys' page and see everything mm-hmm. that's going on. But we unfortunately it, 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 are I'm having to mute the words tank and Caleb Williams and stuff to to get through the season. Dude, it's but even on this end, like you know, Justin and I were talking about it uh on Tuesday, like it, the, the Bills are obviously in a better state right now as a team and like as a for, for this season as a franchise, but it's sad on the Bills end, not just because of the loss of the Jags, but like it's heartbreaking with what happened to Tredavious White two weeks ago, what happened with Matt Milano and Daquan Jones, like and coupling that with the loss, the, the excitement is always kind of dialed down a bit after a loss, especially after the week before was the win against Miami and such an important game for everyone. But between the injuries and then, yeah, what's going on with the Giants? Like, yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. Like this week feels I had this game circled preseason because i was like dabes comes back we'll see where the giants are prime time sunday night plus i mean we didn't know it at the time an elite jersey matchup the bills reds against like the 90s giant style jerseys like it should just feel so much bigger than it is and i think on both sides from the Giants standpoint and from from a fan standpoint giants and bills it's just very like yeah like whatever like there's just a lot of sadness and kind of meh to it we are all of our listeners now hate you for complaining about being three and two. No, um, dude, and you know, and I hate to. I had, a, <laughs> I had, a, I had a Pat, a Pat's guy on. Um, Wait, oh, we might guy. only go to the divisional round this year. Dude, it's no, it's, I, I feel that so hard. <laughs> feel free to like hate it me all day. And I did the same thing. Um, I had a Pat's guy on Taylor Kyles, who's awesome. Oh, I'm gonna have him on. I love him, dude. He's great. Um, I've been doing stuff with him since before he was, you know, covering the Pats for CSLN, and he was just working at Next Gen Stats. Um, and I had him on, and he was doing the same thing. He was like, "Yeah, man, like." just with Mac and what happened with Patricia last year. And just, it's just really like bad time to be. And I was like, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear about your Patriots sob story with like all the titles you had and the dynasty run and Belichick and Brady, like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick ruined my childhood. And I wasn't even really alive and conscious yet for what Belichick did as defensive coordinator for the giants in the 90s Super Bowl, But I still hate him for that too. Like, and the Giants won that Super Bowl with a freaking backup quarterback conversation for another time. But like, yeah, I did the same thing to him. I was like, bro, like, shut up. Like, you have so many rings and all these amazing memories. Like, if you get sad because the Pats suck this year, just go turn on like the 2001 Pats and just get happy and see Tom Brady evolve and develop or watch those defenses like or watch Ty Law beat the hell out of Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne in Foxborough and make them create a new rule so the receivers can get free like yeah, so I'm sorry for falling into that. Like it's yeah, I shouldn't. I, You're good. I, I, we're gonna we're gonna link we're gonna link your channel in. Uh, oh yeah, I'm um, sorry, I didn't it, even plug. So find me on Twitter, pro yeah. underscore underscore ant. That's pro two underscores a n t. Follow me on Twitter. 
I host a show called Disguise Coverage live every Tuesday. And then I also host the Cover One Film Room live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays for the Film Room, 9 p.m. Eastern for Disguise Coverage. Both shows are heavily into film, breaking down X's and O's, um, and then advanced metrics. Sorry, go ahead. I, I didn't want to. I oh, you're good. We'll it. put the link in the, in the description. Uh, so, Justin, while you're editing this, put the link in the description for the channel. I watch. You know what I do? I watch a lot of you guys' older videos of, of uh, Eric just like breaking down just like certain little concepts um some some like you know the four or five year old videos every once because I'll, I'll like look up like trying to think of something that comes to hand like i want to learn more about this concept and i'll mm-hmm. google it and it's like your guys video is like with the first thing to show up so that's um, awesome when we try to incorporate a lot that into like into like the film room now like when we're breaking down like oh why this play worked for the bills and we're trying to drive home like this is a drive concept. This is a smash concept. This is the wave concept. Like this is this and trying to like tie that X's and O's piece. And yeah, it all, it all started with Eric, like just doing it. And it's so funny to see like what the channel has become now. And like back then, like you'll find something and it's got like 17 views and it's like Eric breaking down something, but it like, yeah, it still gets to play. It said that's a, that's a super cool piece that you dropped. That's cool. This is, this is how, you know, I like you because we've been trying to end this for 10 minutes and I keep on thinking of things. Uh, you mentioned that's the wave concept, which me and Eric covered on that preseason video we did last mm-hmm. year. And that was something you guys ran a lot. And it's something the giants ran in preseason a lot and tried to get to in the beginning of this first half. And then kind of went away from it as they realized they couldn't protect up front as much. And so we were at the joint practices in Detroit and Dave's came over and like split, spit a play at us. I didn't even realize what he was doing at first and repeating. I'm like, okay, I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, just, just throw a wave at me, throw a wave at me, you know? And he's like, oh, we don't call that, call it that here. We call it there in Alabama. Um, so that's kind of, that's been my, like, I know, I know you love it. I know you had to get away from it. I know let's get, let's get back to some more of that stuff. Hopefully we could, but uh, we have not seen it at all this year because the giants can't protect Nope, downfield concept and you can't do it like it's that you're just so hamstrung by what you have up front and again it's a shame because i think the giants do have some fun pieces and i think it's a it's a season that has gone by the wayside early on because of like you said you hit it early on like just the worst case scenario has happened up front and it's it's so it it's frustrating for me just as a football fan i can't imagine how frustrating it is for you and like giants fans and just it, it especially to happen so early on you just feel like can we just get to the offseason? I mean, again, as a we also got a gauntlet of teams on prime time to start the season. It's like it's like, damn it! It's like this is this is why winning uh, the way the year the way the Giants won last year sucks because now we're going to get scheduled all these prime times versus the top teams in the NFL, and even like there was a there was there's a path to the playoffs this year. It was like they could be two and four, and you're still feeling the same way about your team, but they start two and four because they're facing the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Bills, the Dolphins. Um, but they got their ass kicked by the Seahawks in a winnable game, and that was like, okay, well, now we're one and five, and everything's horrible. And we yeah, have the 31st the, offense in the NFL. So That was the one, and um, what's-his-face, when like Witherspoon housed that pick, I was just like, oh, okay, this is like – this is kind of like it yeah. right now. That, well, that was like if DJ had any performance that he had last season in that game, the Giants win it, and he probably had like his one of his three worst performances of all yeah, time. Anyways, that's the uh, that's the Dable tablet throw game, right? Yeah, which yeah. people reacted to that crazy. Dable's been doing that. He did that with Allen. He did that with there was some times early last year with DJ that he did that. Like Dable's more of a hothead than people realize. Yeah, he, he's more of a players' coach. One of the big things like that fans always go to with Ken Dorsey is the lightning rod for criticism. Now Bill's offensive coordinator. Um, But the big thing fans always go to is 
you know, when Allen's making these decisions, because it can never be Josh Allen's fault. It has to be someone else's. So when Allen's making these poor decisions, everybody's like, well, Dorsey's got to rein him in like Dabes did. Like, yeah, you would see Brian Dable on broadcast kind of going and being like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, what are you doing? And kind of chewing him out and kind of not like reining him in, literally like forcefully being like, you have to play better type stuff. So yeah, it was funny to see everybody just isn't Dorsey in the box. Yes, he is in the oh, box. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm a big play caller, offensive play caller in the box. You see so much more up there anyways. Yeah, it's tough because you're not on the sideline with the guy and with the player. But, too, yeah, the, I mean, the eye in the sky doesn't lie, man. If you have that bigger vantage point or better vantage point, you, you got to take advantage of it. I'll shut up now. I'm sorry. I know we've been trying to end this. I'll be quiet. No, it's good. I'm, I'm Preview pods are now my favorite pause of the year now that the Giants stink. So we can make them an hour and a half. I don't give a damn. <laughs> Anthony, appreciate you as always. Thanks, man. Hey, sure. All right, thank you to Anthony from Cover One for coming on the show. We love Anthony. Check out the Cover One guys. Bobby Skinner, before we welcome on Danny King, we got to talk about SeatGeek. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, where are you? What are you doing? Where have you been? They're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super, super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. I need you to go on SeatGeek right now, and if you do not have Giants versus Commanders tickets, I need you to go buy some. It's going to be a bad game. Well, guess what? That's actually an opponent that maybe we can actually win. And also, Bobby Skinner will be coming up for the game at MetLife Stadium. Danny King, will you be there? It's a guaranteed win. Commanders, now. All right, good, because you're the mush, and the last time that you and Bobby were in the same stadium versus the Commanders, an unstoppable force and a movable object met and they wound up tying. So Bobby Skinner will be there. He is undefeated at Giants game. Excuse me, at least he's never lost at a Giants game. Never lost. Never lost. So come yeah, witness undefeated. a win. I've been undefeated. I've not been defeated. Nah, I made you tie. But is a tie? Is a t- If you tie, it's no, not they considered they, undefeated. Did they win? They no. did not win. Did they? So they did not defeat us. Okay, thank you. Undefeated. Oh, that's the definition of the word, Justin. Uh, yeah, so come hang out with us. Bobby Skinner, Justin Pettick. We'll also be at L16 on the curb, which the link to the tickets to a tailgate is in our bio. So come hang out with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, when it becomes official, I have an announcement about tailgates, but it's not coming yet. Uh, SeatGeek, every ticket is backed by their buying guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps, but guess what? You're buying Giants versus Commanders tickets. Don't swap them. Just come to the game and hang out with us and tailgate with us on L16. We've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. You'll be glad you did. Thank you. You'll be glad you did. Now we welcome on Danny King, who you just heard. Uh... On for weather and trivia. Danny, what is the weather like up in Buffalo? I'm a, I'm kind of sad we're not playing Buffalo in late December, to be honest. I'll be honest. You, I am too. Uh, I'm you're going? Dr- this is yeah. an honest podcast. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, we, I mean, you don't remember the whole thing about us going to Danny's I've, dorm? I have, I, have, I have a bad memory. I've unfortunately gone to this game. but to see Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback I've always wanted to see. But that means my sheriff memes are Yeah, you get to action. do a little game with a backup QB. This is, back, this back is your QB, Super Bowl. Of course. My revenge game tweets, your backup QB game. This is your. This, this is truly this, a Super Bowl for talking Giants. This is why we watch. And apparently the weather is uh, – there's going to be some rain showers, unfortunately, which I ain't over the moon about. There's oh, just, my God. Some rain showers. I mean, it's going to feel like low, high 30s. So that's – I love that. That's some Buffalo weather right there. 
But there's a chance of rain throughout the whole game. Not going to be too windy, apparently, but I don't know how windy it gets at Buffalo Stadium. So uh, that'll be intriguing to see. But, yeah, I'm going to be there. Uh, probably not going to have a lot of fun. Uh, but, hey, I get to watch the Giants. So who's luckier than me? Probably everyone else. What do we got for trivia? <laughs> uh, my trivia. I, I like the trivia question this week. All right. I like this one this week. I think I'm going to win it. Uh, so back on September 15th. What, what do you mean you think you're going to win it? You know the answer. Yeah, I know. But I think I'm going to make sure y'all are stumped. No way y'all oh, okay. get this. Back on oh, September- by the way. By the yeah. way, I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna rain. I, did you check? Did you look at Apple Weather? Nope. Oh, you don't. You gotta listen you. to Danny King AccuWeather. Yeah, I, I'm just saying there's a chance. So I'm making sure I'll cover my weather. Maps. The Weather King. The Weather Weather King. Weather, weather King forecast. We need to but make that, that a Twitter page. Twitter for what, page. What, Danny, so because you are a weatherman now, and because yeah. I have a thing of like one of my goals one day is to do storm chasing content. Are you? We had the conversation on Simple Man Radio last week about, like, what did your mom think about, you know, when we first started this? How weird was that? How much weirder would it be if she, if you're like, hey, Bobby wants me to come and storm, chase storms with him because he, I'm the weatherman on the Talking Giants podcast. I mean, you know, you, you got, you got to chase a check. And if that means I got to go storm chasing, <laughs> chase that check, baby. Got to chase a check. Um, so no, no big hurricanes in Florida. I guess no big hurricanes on my side of Florida this year. So we'll we'll that'll be to be uh to be decided. To be uh, decided. What is trivia this week though? But anyways? this uh trivia this week, uh back on September 15, 2019, the Giants lost to the Buffalo Bills 28 to 14. Oh, there's not a single and thing I can miss from that. That was Eli Manning's final start before Daniel Jones got taken over, but then Daniel Jones got hurt. But that's besides the point. Uh can you remember who caught a touchdown pass from Eli Mann in that game? And before I know Saquon Barkley had a touchdown. That was not First drive of the game, all rushing, I, yeah, all rushing, all rushing, rushing touchdown. So I am looking for the man that caught Eli's touchdown pass this game. The only I, touchdown pass thrown. I know this at a hundred percent, not without a doubt. I, I, I'm so excited you asked this question because I can flex my 2019 knowledge of every single second of that giant season. Justin, do you know it? Man, I, 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 I part of me wants to say like Benny Fowler. Is that your answer? Yeah, final answer. So this guy was signed in preseason from the Detroit Lions. Oh, Bobby got it. Oh, yeah, he got it. He got it. This guy caught a touchdown from uh, Matt Stafford before. It is T.J. Jones, baby. It is T.J. It is not D.J. Jones. It is T.J. Jones. I was so confident this was going to stumble the whole crew. But, yes, it is T.J. Jones, the man that signed for the Giants that year. He was drafted in the sixth round of the 2014 draft. He called free passes for 38 yards during his time with the Giants, and that was he only caught those passes during the Bills game. And then he returned some punts against Tampa and Washington for the uh, three-game stint he was with the Giants for. So Bobby clearly has superior 2019 knowledge. I mean, T.J. Yes, Jones, he like, he that was a nice catch. It was. I remember I was there. That game was sweltering. I was sweating. Oh my god! That's the thing that I remember the most about that game, and also the uh, the Giants. The first two games of the season had the best offense in football during the first drive of the game, and then didn't (laughs) score anything after that. And then MetLife Stadium ran out of water in our section. That's that's, how hot. Those first two games of the year were like first drive, crisp, every play good, touchdown, and then downhill from there. Me on. August 1st, 2019, at Dan Duggan 21. How is TJ Jones being worked into the offense? Mostly playing with threes, but has made some plays. 
I was a, I was a big TJ Jones guy. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I got trivia right. I'm very happy. You can't you cannot ask me. There's not a single question from 2019 you can ask me that I won't get right. That's fair. Um, all right, fantasy where we draft players from the Giants and their opponent. Let's talk about this. I love this. Uh Danny uh, widened his lead with a 46.9 point outing last week. I jumped Justin from third to second with a 45 point outing. I'm 11.9 points after behind Danny. And then Justin, who will be picking first, had a he had a decent outing, 33.6. But he's so he's only 17 and a half points back. So the fantasy race is close, which we kind of need with the state of this New York Giants uh, roster. (laughs) I'll I'll be picking second, Danny third. Justin, you have the first pick this week. I think it's an easy one. Uh, Stefan Diggs is one of the hotter players in the NFL right now. Um, catching touchdown passes, catching a lot of balls, and I think he was a little upset, shocking, uh, with the team's performance in London. So I think the team is going to make somewhat of a concerted effort to get him the ball Sunday Night Football at home and to have a nice bounce-back game for the Bills. So give me Stefan Diggs, first overall pick. Very good. I'm going to be taking James Cook. I mean, he's their lead back. He's having a good year. They give him a bunch of receptions, right? And he's like he's he's not the perfect back, but like what they're asking him to do, he's doing pretty well. He's creating some, you know, decent. He's breaking runs. a lot of tackles. I think he's having a really I think he's having a really good year. Like I'm pretty The only I thing actually, is they don't give him any they don't give him any like goal line touches. But I the Giants <laughs> the Giants do allow a lot of twenty plus yard runs. They also is, allow a lot of twenty plus yard pass plays. And the Giants have ha- have allowed a lot of rushing touchdowns two running backs this year. So I am, I picked James Cook in our, you know, John Boy media, you know, who's going to score a touchdown this week. I did pick James Cook. Um, I'm actually taking like a good, like W victory lap on James Cook and my overall kind of like draft thoughts on him. Um, he's, he's really developed into a nice NFL player and he breaks tackles. And uh, I, I think he honestly looks a little bit better than what he did at, at Georgia. Cause he was just kind of like a speed guy at Georgia. Now he's like breaking tackles and looking pretty good. Good contact bounce. So I'm going James Cook, second overall, their lead back. Makes sense. And I, I am I had Saquon one, two, three, four, five. I had him six, but I'm I'm crossing him off the big board, by the way. Uh Danny, you have back to back pick. Lucky me. Um I'm going with the Bills wide receiver, uh, Gabe Davis. We're going according to he's, the body big board so he's far. Been, uh, he's been balling for them this year so far. Yeah, good back to back games as well. For them, and then after that, after that, um, it seems like he's got to play. So I've got to take him here. I've got to take. Uh, I mean, I'm not feeling it, but I'm gonna take Darren Waller. Uh, I mean, God, and there's no one else really that appeals to me. Well, there's the obvious choice of who appeals to me, but I all know what our strategy is there, involving him. But I mean, Bills are third, uh, ranked third in allowing tight end points per game in fantasy, so they've been kind of good against that. But maybe this is the game Darren Waller gets involved. Maybe Tyrod Taylor's like, we traded for a superstar. Let me use him a little bit more. He also had a good game last week against Miami. So that's why I'm kind of feeling Darren a little bit. Man, I'm really pressed because the guy who I would pick next is in concussion protocol. Oh. Like, I know who you're talking about. But I'm going to go it anyways. I mean, you can actually know I'm not going to do it. They have two tight ends that are like questionable. Yeah. I know, which is very frustrating. But I mean, both are limited in practice. But Kincaid being limited is less like a. Hmm. Man, I don't. I really want to take Kincaid, but I just can't. Like 
teams have, guys have not come back one week after concussion this year. It's been a thing. Teams are taking that more serious. Take Kincaid. Take Dawson Knox. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go safe. I'm gonna pick Wandale Robinson. Ooh. Okay. I'll take that. I just don't trust either one of those injury wise. Um. And yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going. I'm going Wandale. I at least know he's gonna get a decent little volume. Uh, they play a lot of zone, so I'm. I'm gonna go Wandale. Back to back picks, Justin. Kind of a wild. Oh, I guess. Yeah. All right. Back to back picks. So I guess I'll pick a giant. Mm-hmm. I'll pick a giant first. I'll pick him again. Darius Slayton. Damn it. Tyrod. Tyrod did get the ball to Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton. There's. There's this one. I actually have it bookmarked. So I'm gonna actually give him credit, and I'm going to try and describe this graph that I see almost every single week. JF Fortgang, he doesn't have his real name up there, but he posts a lot of analytics stuff. Raw PFF separation grade is on the bottom, and then you have raw PFF catch point and yak grade um, up up at the top as the y-axis. And Darius Slayton is, like, up there, like, with guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jordan Addison, like, he's... Stefan Diggs is, is even to the left of Darius Slayton, up there on, like, separation grade. So Darius Slayton, even though he's not getting the volume... I think Darius Slayton's like having a good year and he is like getting open according to these metrics. So give me Darius Slayton. He needs the ball a little bit more, man. So Darius Slayton's the first pick and then I'm going to bounce back and I'm going to take Damian Harris. Because I do think if there is a guy, if there is a guy that is going to get goal line carries, it will be Damian Harris. And if the Bills have a lead, they're going to rely on him. Well, your little comment of could take Dalton Kincaid was very telling that you didn't want Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking Dalton Kincaid now that he goes into a tradable slot. Uh, uh, if if I thought he was going to play, he'd be he is truly fifth on my big board. He gets a lot of volume for them. I think he's going to continue to have a bigger and bigger role for them and, and start to create a little more explo- bigger plays. I loved him in the draft. I remember me and, me and Grump talked about him that way too early draft preview. He, this is a, he's be, essentially become the Cole Beasley replacement. Uh, so I, I'm going to go Kincaid. Um, Danny, you have your last picks back to back. So this is my tradable pick, right? I can yeah, trade this pick. These, these yeah. next two picks you are are tradable third. And and the running back of the New York Giants is still on the board, correct? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. then, then I'll take a Saquon Barkley. Okay. I'll take a Saquon because you gotta believe in something. And uh that that's my belief. And God, after this, I, I when I tell you I truly don't know what to do. I truly don't know what to do. Um I mean there's just yeah. never mind. Don't see, I mean, there to me, I I don't see an obvious pick. I I truly don't. Um, man, God, jeez. Um, Bobby, you took Kincaid. Um, he has a concussion compared to Dawson Knox, who has a wrist. So maybe it's more likely Dawson Knox could play. Um, who's this guy right here? Um, man, I'm just not vibing with any of these things. I'll just got to take Dawson Knox. If it mm. doesn't work, then I'm going to trade him. Two tradable picks. All right, I'm going to take Matt Breida because I don't think Saquon's going to play. God damn it. You should have taken Matt Breida and just hedged that, right? And then if, if Saquon was going to play, trade Breida. Um, but I don't so, want. I don't, I don't want to get there because if I wasn't up by the time the trade had to be done, then I was screwed. Mm. Well, it's Sunday night football, so it's not till later in the day. But I, I mm. guess I, I'm, I'm taking Matt Burita. He might be the Giants RB one. I got him in the fourth round. Justin, uh-huh. finish it off. Ha 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 ha.
<laughs> um, I'll take Isaiah Hodgins. Revenge game. This is a revenge game for Isaiah Hodgins. I am so screwed if Saquon doesn't play because that was my trade option. I don't trust Paris Campbell. Like, what are we doing? Well, they're not even playing him anymore. Not even playing him anymore. Daniel Bellinger got a touchdown. No. Um, third string tight end Morris is an interesting candidate if the first two tight ends don't play. So, I mean, Hardy is technically their starting slot receiver. I know um, I could go there, but he has 11 catches on the year through five games. I mean, two catches per game. What is that really going to bring me? Two points. I'll take their. I could always trade this pick. So if the two tight ends play, then I have to jump you, and I will get somebody else that may get more run than their third string tight end. So give me Morris. I thought you already took Isaiah Hodgins. I wrote it down. Oh, I don't I have back to back picks. No, this is your last pick. Never mind, Isaiah Hodgins. All right, to recap, Justin, who's in third, has Stefan Diggs, Slayton, Damian Harrison, and Isaiah Hodgins. Myself, who's in second, James Cook, Wandell Robinson, Dalton Kincaid, and Matt, uh, Matt Breida. And then Danny has Gabe Davis, Darren Waller, Saquon Barkley, and Dawson Knox. All right, it's time for Giant Factors. Our X Factors of the Week. Justin, you're up first this week. I don't want... Feels like the Giant season's over. Feels like it. Cordell Flott. Weird one, right? Really weird one. We've been getting run kind of the last two weeks. Trey Hawkins gets benched because he can't tackle. Ironic, because that's the one thing we were confident Trey Hawkins could do coming out of Old Dominion. But Cordell Flott's been getting some run. This is a primetime game. This is a nationally televised game. You made some good plays against Tyreek Hill the last week. If Cordell Flock can go out there, get more experience, and prove that he is a much better game corner than he is a practice corner, then that makes me feel a lot better about the future of the secondary with Cordell Flock, Deontay Banks, and then we have some other stuff to figure out at safety, maybe even outside corner. Cordell Flock, go out there, be a giant factory. had a good game against the Dolphins last week. Build on it. Don't allow any big plays. Maybe make some flash plays. You made a good play in the football against Tyreek Hill. My giant factor this week is someone who's had uh, zero stats in three of the five games. But I mentioned in the beginning of the show, a lot of the big plays for this guy came from the guy who will be playing quarterback for the Giants this week in Tyrod Taylor in training camp and the preseason touchdown, Jalen Hyatt. And I talked about one of the good things about Tyrod is that when he does escape from the pocket, he's not afraid to chuck that ball down the field. So Jalen Hyatt. One thing I want to see him to do is fight back to the ball, better fight to get open on on broken plays. So Jalen Hyatt, if the Giants have any chance to win, they're going to have to have some of these big surprise plays, and the best guy to get uh, get the job done on those is Jalen Hyatt. So if you can get a, a couple big plays at Jalen Hyatt, keep Waller fed, that's the way the Giants' path to victory on offense. So I'm going Jalen Hyatt as my Week Six Giant factor on Sunday Night Football. Danny, who do you got? So, so far, we've seen backups like Cole McCoy, mm. Jake Fromm, uh, I might forget it's someone else, Davis Mike Webb, Glennon. Mike Glennon. Uh, that's four. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone here. And each week they've played, I feel like most likely I've picked up as a Giants factor or I've made my whole brand on social media or surrounding them and obviously calling them the sheriff, blah, 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 terrible Photoshop. You know the whole deal. My Giant factor is Tyrod Taylor. Is it boring? Oh. Yes. Do I care? No, because guess what? I Tyrod Taylor is going to go out there. I hope he has to follow fit. Revenge game at Buffalo. Uh, he, I'm just looking forward to seeing Tyron Taylor <laughs> play a little bit of Buffalo. I don't know why he could maybe make it fun. Uh, I mean, with this offensive line, I don't think he could. I didn't really feel any other 
giant factor stood out to me this week. I just felt the need to take a backup quarterback, especially since I took a backup brother. But Tyler Taylor, have fun with it. Uh, just hurl some deep passes downfield. But play a little recklessly with the football, you know? There's not much to lose in this game. There's no, there's nothing to lose because we're already a bad football team. As it is, Tyler Taylor, go out there, have fun, be a giant factor for the world, uh, and make this game fun. Make this game fun on Sunday and make Buffalo sweat it out a little bit. Don't let them cakewalk it. And stay healthy enough to where Danny's giant factor next week isn't Matt Barkley. Or yes, Tommy also, 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 yes, please, to that point as well. I, I do not want to be Tommy DeVito. Matt Barkley would be funny, though. I don't, really don't want care. Matt Barkley signed so I can get one more revenge game tweet in. But Need them it, all. Need them all. It's not looking like it. All right, so next is spread picks. Before we get into spread picks, just or Danny, who are spread picks brought to us by? They're brought to you by our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook because we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings is helping us, is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet five dollars, get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings is a stop in there. All customers could take advantage of two new offers. Every game day this October, October, totally doesn't say a different month on on the draft of the read. Uh, Call to action. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with Code World. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports bet, a partner of the NFL with promo code WORLD, W-O-R-L-D, in case you can't spell it. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, the 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply, guys. You'll be glad you did. We're glad you did. All right, spread picks. Danny, a couple back-to-back weeks doing good. He's only in, he's still in second after a four and three week at twenty and nineteen. The listeners, they are uh, they are five and ten the last two weeks, but they built up such a lead that they still are in first at twenty two and seventeen. I went three and four. I'm at eighteen and twenty one. I my I got to get back over five hundred in the next couple weeks. I'm at eight, uh, and then Justin, who was struggling every week, he's two and five. He's at struggling fif- every year. Fifteen and twenty four. Uh, for the year. First up on the slate, we have Thursday Night Football. Broncos at Chiefs minus 11. I love the 11-point Thursday Night Football spread, and I'm always going to take Thursday Night Football is, is wacky and it's wonky. I'm going Broncos plus 11. I, I'm expecting Russell Wilson to keep this game as within 10 points. So I'm going Broncos plus 11. The listeners represented by Brennan Burke are going Chiefs minus 11. Danny, who are you going? Taylor Swift, rumored to be in the stands again. Bobby knows. I know Bobby loves talking about Taylor Swift. That's just rumors, though. Rumors. That's what TMZ says. Shout out TMZ. I'm going the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, Bobby, like you said, Bobby, I mean, it could get weird and wonky, but I just think this is just one of those games that won't get weird and wonky because the Broncos are just that bad of a football team right now. And it's funny to watch them be bad. Stay humble. Sean Payton has a uh, Robert Sala said, Justin, 
I think the Chiefs cover. I think the Broncos defense is that bad. It is really bad and made me but I was like, you know what? I had a I had a gut feeling about the Bears last week, but I didn't pick them and I was wrong. So my gut is saying Broncos. I've been bad on yeah. Thursday night football this year though. I've been one and three. Or one, two, and one, or whatever the fuck it is. Anyways, I'm picking the Broncos. Ravens at Titans plus four. Who do you got on this one, Justin? Yeah, I want to go. I'm going to go Ravens minus four, even though the Ravens sometimes can really just throw us for a loop, man. And I mean, how many drop balls did they have this past Eight. weekend? And like, they were like all big time plays, too. They weren't just like your, your run of the mill drops. Yeah, Zay Flowers had quite a few. Sucks for my fantasy team. Still believe in him. Uh, this is, did Odell return back to the lineup? This is what happens. Uh, Ravens he's not the minus same, four. By the way, but anyways, no, he's not. Uh, he, yeah, uh, uh, like he suffered three three season-ending injuries in his career, two of them like on the same leg. So, like, of course, he's not the same player. Uh, Ravens minus four. Get get back to it. Titans can be a tough team though. I agree. The Ravens are a good team that just gets in their own way. The listeners agree. Danny, are you going with us or against us? Uh, I'm going against y'all. I'm going to Titans. Titans. Tighten up. He's tightening up. All right. We got a battle for first place. Two, three, and two teams in the AFC South. We've got the Colts at the Jags minus four. The Colts kind of kept this one close uh, and almost won it in week one. I'm not a believer in this Jags team. Uh, and I love what Shane Steichen is doing over with India. I know it's without Anthony Richardson, but at least they can go into a week game planning for with their guy. Uh, they did beat the Ravens with Gardner Minshew, even though it was a very bad game offensively. Uh, I, I'm, I'm taking the Colts plus four. I think the Colts are going to come away from this game in first place in the AFC South. Listeners agree with me too. Justin, do you agree with me? No, I do not. The Jags haven't beat the Colts since Vietnam. Now you mean week they one, could lose, they could lose by three. What do you mean? I said the Jags. Ha- the oh, I'm sorry, the Colts haven't beat the Jags since Vietnam. I think I said that the other way around. Um, yeah, so the Jags have a long winning streak against the Colts. Now it's, hey, the Jags could, you know, win by only three and the Colts cover, but I'm going to go Jags minus four. Danny. I'm with Justin because the, uh, the Colts have not won at Jacksonville since September 21st, 2014. Yeah. So it's kind of a house of horrors for them. That's the and step. I, I don't think the Colts are a bad team. I don't think this is indicative of how the AFC South will ultimately end up. I just think they cannot win to Jacksonville. I need to see a win to Jacksonville before I can say they can win to Jacksonville. That vaunted Jacksonville home home t- field advantage. I, yeah, I, I yeah. I've watched the Colts win in Jacksonville before. Like beat Damn. the beat the beat the brakes off the Jags. There it was Blake Bortles. I always I've probably told this story ten times on this podcast. But Chad Henney was the star that day, and it was check down, check. I mean, everything was short. Jags fans were wasted. I mean, one Jags fan was so drunk in front of me. I, there's a picture on my Instagram of it that he's chanting, block that punt when the Jags are punting. Like, that's how drunk he was. Um, and then Blake Bortles gets put in the game. They go three and out, but he threw the ball deep twice on bad throws, too. The crowd was like, gave him a standing ovation as they came off the field to punt on a three and out because they just. They because he uh, threw the ball deep, um. So I was there for that, and it made me realize why that's like the worst stadium ever in the world. Even though there was a fun to go there last year for the Giants win. Seahawks at Bengals minus three. Danny, who do you got? 
I mean, the Bengals are one and four against the spread this year. The Bengals also just haven't looked that good. I mean, Joe Burrow was a little better last week, but that was against the Cardinals. Uh, I'm taking the Seahawks plus three here. I I think the they're sleeping on the Seahawks this week against the against uh, this weak Bengals team. I'm also going Seahawks. I'm not believing in the Bengals until they beat a good team. I mean, think about how bad the Giants' offense was, and remember what they did versus the Cardinals. Um. So I'm going Seahawks plus three. The listeners are going Bengals, though. Justin, who are you siding with? Seahawks defense is good against the run. But they're both... No, excuse me. They're bad against the run. Excuse me. The pass defense is actually catching up a little bit. Screw it. This is not a, this is not a brain pick. This is a heart pick. I still think the Bengals can take advantage of the Seahawks secondary. So give me Bengals minus three. This is a heart pick, not a brain pick. Saints at Texans plus one. Can't believe I'm putting this game in a, in a, in a, uh, in here, but it, it is. I'm going Texans plus one. Listeners are going Texas plus one. Um, obviously CJ Stroud has been doing some pretty cool stuff over there. Justin, what do you got? I was wrong, by the way. The Seahawks' defense is good against the run, not bad. Um, Saints, this is basically a pick em. Texans, C.J. Stroud's doing some really fun quarterbacking stuff right now, and you would think that Derek Carr would be doing it and who you know whoever's starting over there, but they're not, so Texans. Daniel? I'm going to take uh, the Texans here as well. They're a fun team to watch, and I think they're just better than the New Orleans Saints. Patriots at Raiders minus three. There is so many revenge angles in this. One, you have not revenge, but you have Joe Judge versus Patrick Graham. Yeah. You got Jacoby Myers facing his old team. You got Jimmy Garoppolo facing his old team. You got Bill Belichick versus Josh McDaniels. And if you remember correctly, Josh McDaniels did win that uh, that first game against the Patriots with the Broncos back in the day with Kyle Orton at quarterback. I think they started off 5-0 and that season. Um, the Patriots' offense is so bad, and I think the revenge factor favors better in uh, the Raiders' uh, were the Raiders' favor. So I'm going with Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham, minus three over Bill Belichick and Joe Judge. Justin, who do you got? Do we have any, any confirmation on... Who's starting a quarterback for the... It's Mac. Mac Jones. It is Mac. Raiders have a bad run defense. Patriots want to run the ball. They have a bad run offense. They have a bad team. Ramadre Stevenson is one of my fantasy running backs. That hurts my feelings. Um, Give me the Patriots. Come on. let's Don't let Josh McDaniels beat you, Bill Belichick. Again. Danny, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, the Patriots suck. Uh, they do. <laughs> I mean, wow, they are just absolutely terrible. Almost um, as bad as the Giants. Actually, yeah. they're worse. And also, uh, Josh McDaniels won the revenge game literally a year ago on that God knows what play Oh, happened. yeah, they forgot they had a revenge game. I, for, for some reason, I was teaching, treating this. So, McDaniels is 2-0 versus Belichick. Yeah, and so, yeah, the Patriots idiot. are awful. Uh, we'll probably see Bailey's happy by, like, what, fourth quarter? Looking forward to that. Uh, Raiders, Raiders cover. Raiders went outright. Raiders, Raiders, Raiders. For some reason, I forgot that McDaniel's was already there last year. Um, but that—I mean—that game that was the Jacoby Myers to Chandler Jones thing. So now Jacoby Myers is on. The, a lot of mi, mi, Jacoby Myers, who was a Patriots, now a Raider. Chandler Jones, yeah. who was a Patriot, is and now became uh, a Patriot again. Is is back on is on was on the Raiders now gone. 
because of other stuff. Listeners are going Patriots plus three. Lions at Bucks plus three. Bucks are three and one, man. They're feeling pretty good. I'm going Bucks plus three. I oh. think I think I think they keep this close. Baker Mayfield's been running that offense pretty well. Lions are going to play a lot of man coverage, and I think the Bucks receivers win that matchup. Uh, and I think they'll run the ball halfway decent. So I'm I'm going Bucks plus three in an upset this week. Listeners are going Lions. Justin, who are you going? This would be a game that the Lions would like. You think that the Lions are getting hot? You think they're starting to win some games, and then. They go into Tampa, you know, hey, team, a team that they should be, and they lose. But outside of just thinking that that could happen, I'm not going to pick that. So Lions minus three. Danny. This game was willingly flexed to 425. I wish they flexed our game out of Sunday Night Football. Uh, Lions cover. Uh, I think the Lions are just a better team. And if they get Almirad St. Brown back this week, that would be rather useful for them. This would be a good prime time. The NFL is so stupid by do. If you're going to schedule the Giants this time, anyways, whatever. So dumb. Cowboys at Chargers Monday Night Football. Chargers plus two. Cowboys minus two. Cowboys, can you tell them more revenge game? Uh huh. Can you can you stop unraveling on offense? I don't think you can. And I think Kellen Moore is going to going to drive the knife in a little bit. I think Staley is going to have his back. Um. This one was tough for me, but I, I, I'm just going to go Chargers plus two. Like, the Cowboys are not looking so hot. Listeners are going Chargers plus two. Justin, who are you going? I'm going Cowboys. I, th- I just think they have a better team. I know Mike Mike McCarthy just continuing to say wild things of, we have a team that runs through our defense, so therefore we don't need to score as many points. as po-. It's, it's a very weird coach-speak mentality. I don't know if it's a mentality they actually have. But I, I think, like, this could be a close game, and then I think Brandon Staley will find a way to implode it. Um, so give me Cowboys minus two. You really do have, like, the two bad, like, guys at being the head coach part. Yeah. But they're just, like, the in the exact opposite way, which is very funny. Yeah. Danny, who do you got? We're going with Chargers. I don't know why. I'm just feeling the Los Angeles Chargers this week. Uh, feeling the electricity. The electricity. Ha-ha. <laughs> I mean, it's basically going to be a Cowboys home game, probably, knowing that. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to take the Chargers. Why not? Let's have fun with it. All right. Let's see how everything goes this week. Danny, what is your score prediction for Sunday Night Football? New York Giants at Buffalo Bills. Bills in the red. Giants in their, uh, what is it called? Color rush. Color rush. Color rush. Not very much color to it, but that's besides the point. Uh, first of all, sorry you guys got to record at 2 a.m. again for, to, for this team. Tough, tough look. Thank you. Uh, and the Giants. I think this going to be the best part of the year. We're going to win. Yeah, hey, I would love for that. Uh, Chargers are going to lose. Uh, I hope they make it at least entertaining for a few quarters for, for my sake. Uh, they're probably going to lose like 35 to like 13. Maybe they score a touchdown. That'd be fun. Maybe a first quarter touchdown. That'd be fun. But yeah, Giants lose. It's so sad right now. Justin. Yeah, uh, let's go. Let's go Bills 27, Giants Giants 10. I don't know. I, I, I got to do this because once this week is over, it's new slates. It's not top teams in the NFL. And I refuse to go into those with as shit as a mindset as you might have right now. Um, I am going to go Giants 2, Bill 0. If I... Did not happen last year. It had to happen this year. I think 
was kind of saving it for this. Could we get to this point where this needed to be pulled out? Um, your backup quarterback, that contributes to it. Giants offense, offensive line has been god-awful. Bills defense is number five, or top five in offense and defense. The revenge will not be enough for this to be a blowout, but the Giants will win 2-0. to zero. That's an episode. Wow. We will see you Monday, Sunday night football. We appreciate you guys. We truly do. We will see you uh, then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.